Another day, another list of prospects that the Sacramento Kings should be considering taking with the 24th overall pick put together by Locked On NBA big board contributor Richard Stamen. You are listening to Locked On Kings. You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all offseason long. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports reporter and producer for ABC 10 News. Richard Stamen is one of the many awesome contributors that Locked On has uh, to their NBA Big Board podcast really doing a phenomenal job every single year, uh, breaking down the draft, running through the list of prospects. And their work is not just during draft time, although, of course, this is the busiest time of the year where most of their work gets a ton of attention with mock drafts and the final preparations for draft night itself. But these guys work year-round drafting and scouting talent, watching not just college players in the NCAA tournament and, and before that, but deep into the uh the like transfer portals deep into international uh play going overseas to watch some of these players in person richard uh, amongst many others was uh, in chicago for the draft combine. Uh, so to get these guys onto Locked On Kings to get their opinion on these uh, these prospects and how they could fit with Sacramento truly is a treat, especially this time of the year. Richard has six new prospects to talk about that we haven't talked about yet here on Locked On Kings and a couple names that we have uh, discussed already before. So I think you're really going to enjoy today's podcast. A lot of these names you have sent to me or mentioned in comments or in, in uh, emails or on Twitter uh, that you would like to learn more about. So I think you're really going to enjoy this uh, this podcast. And maybe, just maybe, by the end of this podcast, you'll have the guy that you want uh, Sacramento to take with the 24th overall pick. So without any further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Richard Stamen. Around the 24 pick range, we see a lot of guys raised in stock. We see them lower in stock. It really seems to change every single day. But there are guys, there are draft analysts that look at this entire process and understand consistencies, understand irregularities, and, and bring that knowledge to people like myself who are just hoping the Sacramento Kings don't mess up a pick. Now, it's harder to mess up 24 than it is to mess up a lottery pick like the Sacramento Kings are are uh, used to doing or typically have done in the past. But now with the 24th pick, essentially Sacramento is just looking for someone who they can either, either stash to develop into something good for the future or someone who can come in and help minorly contribute to the Kings taking the next step. So to give me some more guys that the Kings should have on their radar, I'm happy to be joined uh, by Richard Stamen. He is one of our great contributors to our Locked On uh, NBA Big Board podcast. Just fresh off of the uh, the, the NBA uh, draft combine. Richard, welcome to Locked On Kings, my friend. It's a pleasure to have you on. I'm looking forward to uh, hearing your expertise here with this uh, interesting 2023 draft class. Hey, I appreciate you having me. This is uh, always a fun story I tell you, but actually you were the first Locked On show I've ever listened to way back in, I want to say it was 2016, 2015. I was commuting back to school from home and 
Uh, and I was like, dang, you know, I'm curious what the Kings are up to. Like, it was just very random. And you came on. I'm like, this guy's good. So it's a dream really to be on here. So I appreciate it. See, Richard's smart. He's like, I'm going to tune into a team that's always in the draft so I can always talk about them and should probably keep tabs on what they're doing. So they, I know what prospect is going to be doomed to go their way. But Richard, now things are a little bit different, right? Because the Kings are in a, a pretty good position coming off of a playoff series. Uh, I don't expect any kind of game changers or world changers, although we're surprised every year by someone outside the lottery that turns into a really, really good player. Uh, but we're going to go through like city uh, Sissoko. Uh, you have Kobe Brown, Ryan Rupert, Nick Smith, Jet Howard, Gigi Jackson. I think I'm missing one, uh, but you have a list of guys that you put together that you don't necessarily think are, are perfect fits for the Sacramento Kings, but should be in that 24 pick range that the Kings should be bringing in for workouts or keeping their eye on. Which one do you want to start with? And uh, and what do you want to tell us about these guys? Yeah. So I'll start with the group as a whole. The range is very wide from the combine. What I heard is everybody had this thing where they were like, Oh no, this guy's falling. Like I, I had some people I was talking to, they're like, don't worry. This guy like will be there this range, whatever. And then I had some people like, well, this guy's going to go way higher. And then I would talk to another person and say, this person's going to go lower. So it's a very wide range in the draft. Let's start though with city Suzuka, who I think has probably one of the very widest ranges in the draft. He could be anywhere from a late lottery pick. He, I've seen him go in second round in mocks. So he has a very, very wide range. With City Suzuko, uh, the G League shooting guard, that's a position. And I talked to Rafael Barlow about this recently. The shooting guard position is not something necessarily uh, needed by the Sacramento Kings. Of course, they've been burned in the past, bat drafting for fit versus best player available. If Suzuko is on the board, if Suzuko is available at 24, of course, it depends on which other guys are, are with him. But is he a talent you think that's that's good enough or intriguing enough for the Kings to go? We'll figure out position later. Let's try and get this guy and see what he can do. Yeah, I think so. So he is he's a positionless player more than anything. I'd, I'd honestly list him as like a small forward. He was he did measure smaller than expected. He was listed on all year as like six, eight. He measured in at about six, six without shoes. So not too far off, but a little bit less than ideal. But with him, he can do so many different things. And he played the whole G League season at 18 years old, only turned 19 last month uh, after the season had ended. With him, you get defense, athleticism. There's a lot of playmaking there. He's a really flashy playmaker. Uh, still needs to get more consistent, but there is high level flashes. And on top of that, the jump shot is something that that's really where it comes down to where he'll be drafted. If he can shoot, he's a first rounder. If he can't, he's a second rounder. Teams are, I know in his pro day, the mechanics were a little bit inconsistent. Um, there's a lot of G League people, though, that are very high on his shot. Before the last nine games, he was shooting 35% from three, which is a very large sample size. The last nine games, I think he made one of 20. So you can pick your samples there. There's enough hope to believe he can shoot. And if he is that way, he's a, posi a true positionless player. Of course, shooting is extremely important, especially for a team like the Sacramento Kings that needs to open up as much space as possible for Fox and Sabonis and others to work. But it's the defense, I think, of Sissoko that's intriguing to the Kings and intriguing to Sacramento Kings fans because the Kings offensively already are one of the best offenses the NBA has ever seen, or at least they were last year. Defensively, during the regular season is where they struggled. The playoffs, they played better. I think a lot of that has to do with the physicality and, and, and less calls going against the Kings. But regardless, the Kings are looking to improve more defensively and kind of just stay steady offensively to turn themselves into a top team uh, in the league and a team that can potentially make a, a, deep, deep, uh, a deep playoff and maybe even championship run. 
Is Suzuku someone who defensively can come in, and even if he doesn't have necessarily an established 20 minutes a night role, somebody that you could plug and play pretty quickly that could help improve your defense, or because of his age, do you think he needs G League time, more G League time, or or significant time to, to develop? For just defense, I don't think you're going to want to play him a ton early on. I do think the G League Ignite guys do get more maturity that most people their age don't have to be able to play right away, but you would kind of want to keep him floating through in and out of the G League just to keep him rhythm offensively. But defensively, if you're just trying to get him 10 minutes here and there, like five minutes in each half, honestly, you could really make that work. I, I do think he can defend up and down the lineup. He can go and guard guards. He can go and take forwards. I think he's pretty versatile in where he can guard on the court too because he can guard jump shots. He can guard drives. He can help at the paint. Like There's a lot of room for versatility with him. So the next guy that we're going to talk about that you sent me is Kobe Brown. And I'm glad you brought him up because I haven't talked about him yet, but he is someone that whether it's in the second round or in the first round, I've seen the Kings somewhat connected to, or there seem to be a lot of mock drafters out there that think that he would be someone on the Sacramento Kings radar. And you talk about polar opposites from Sissoko in terms of Sissoko is is younger. uh, Brown is a senior. So I'm personally a fan of drafting players who are older. I know teams tend to shy away from that because they want to have more long-term control over guys. And I get that longer careers if you're younger, but for a team in the situation of the Sacramento Kings, where they're looking to improve immediately and and get good and uh, immediately and continue on their trajectory, maybe Brown, a senior, an older prospect is what the Sacramento Kings should be looking for. Yeah. I talked to some people that are close with Kobe Brown this last week in Chicago and I asked them outright, I was was kind of blunt about it. I said, you know, he, for his first three years, he wasn't that good. Like his best year was last year as a junior where he had 12 and a half points a game on 48% shooting 20.6 from three. This year was his first year shooting above 50% from the field. First year with over 25% from three. And he just improved everywhere in that. He shot 55% from the field, 45.5% from three with a 79% free throw percentage. So like the shot is real. Everything I heard was he put in the work. Like he, it was, you know, he's been doing this forever. The work ethic is there. It just kind of, the results finally caught up to the processes. Right. And to me, the prime example, I think of why that can be real. Cause a lot of time these upperclassmen who put up these gaudy numbers statistically, they don't always stick because they're just older than their competition. But with Kobe, I look at Herb Jones um, back from a few years ago where he shot 7% as a junior from three end of the year, 35% from three uh, as a senior. And now he obviously is a threat to shoot in the NBA. Like it was real. And I think Kobe Brown is that. And on top of that, he's this six, seven, just massively strong guy who can play both ends, can get to the rim, can shoot. Like he's a plug and play guy right away. I think like you said, he's an older player. He comes in and he's a rotation player day one. That's why the idea of old prospects is so funny. Cause we're talking about a guy who's 23 years old. Sure. That's old for the NBA draft, but you're still years away from your quote unquote prime age in the NBA. And that that 23 to 27, 28 range is really where the Sacramento Kings have built their core. So again, you're looking at someone that theoretically you can come in and you know what he does. He's a little more mature. His body's certainly more mature and you can plug him in. And if he makes the rotation, it's because the Kings are pretty confident that they know what he's going to provide. However, 
I don't know if you're not making this selection if you don't believe that he's ready to contribute. You're not making a Kobe Brown selection to stash him in the G League for a couple of years and say, hey, maybe a couple of years down the road, he can be what we uh, what we're looking for. Do you think Kobe Brown, again, someone who could be projected as a second round pick is someone that could come in and it doesn't necessarily mean cracking a playoff team rotation right away, but someone who could contribute at the NBA level if his number is called in his first year. I think so. It's just that versatility of he always found a way to either score or just impact the game at a really high level in a very good SEC conference. I think it's possible. And and with his draft stock, I mean, I've I've heard from multiple people there. They're expecting anywhere from very late 20s to early 30s with him. I mean, he's he's really climbing in the NBA draft community. Like, I, I think GMs are ahead of that from where mocks are. I would expect him to really be in the mix for Sacramento, especially if they trade down like two or three spots. It, it could really be in play. Like I said at the top of the show, today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite sporting events, comedy shows, concerts, whatever it may be, theater shows, it should not be stressful, especially buying tickets last minute. In fact, the longer you wait, the better deals you're going to get on game time. Uh, they have flash deals for last minute tickets that can save you 10, 20, sometimes 50 plus dollars. Uh, I experienced a last minute flash deal buying San Francisco Giants tickets when I was in the Bay, saved me $30 a ticket to sit really, really close to the field just an hour and a half before the game started. They're easy to find. You can buy tickets for any kind of event in your area, you will get uh, amazing images of your seat, so you'll know exactly what your view is going to look like, whether you're at a major stadium, at a smaller stadium, at a concert hall. Uh, you're going to know exactly what you're going to be looking at, where the stage is, what your angle is, what your view is, view is any obstructions and uh, things of that nature. It'll be as accurate as possible, and the game time guarantee means that you'll always Get the best price for that ticket. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the dis, uh, the difference. Snag the tickets right now without the stress at Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Redeem code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, Richard, where we're going next to uh, pick a guy from this list to, to tell us a little bit about. Yeah. So let's go with, uh, I'll save you the trouble of saying this guy's name. Let's go with Brandon Podzemski ah. out of, out of Santa Clara. Who's obviously that's close. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's at least in the same state as Sacramento. I don't know the relation of where it is, but last year, everybody remembers Jalen Williams is just astronomic rise to number 12, I believe 11 or 12 to Oklahoma City from Santa Clara. And he had a uh, successor in Brandon Pazemski, who was a top 80 recruit out of, uh, he went to Illinois, didn't play. There was a lot of uh, politics behind the scenes of him not playing. Absolutely kills it as a sophomore. 20 points a game, efficient shooting on all three levels. The only weakness that may keep him out of uh, of being in this range is he didn't measure super well plus two and I think it was plus two one and a half something like that after uh, of a wingspan to his height without shoes so you know the frame's not super friendly but he is strong and he's unbelievably intelligent can do just about everything on the offensive end so a jack of all trades again most uh, most I see him listed as a shooting guard but he's six foot five so he's someone that you think could be a 
whether it's small ball three or even just a standard three at the NBA, is, is that safe or do you think he is more of a two? Uh, with the Kings, I think he'd actually be able to play the three. I mean, I think he's strong enough to hold his own. I think that's really where that matters. Like the NBA is so much, you know, two guard lineups, right? I mean, you're however you want to call the two guard lineups. I think he could easily, let's just say, fit in with Fox and Monk, right? Just in the same lineup. Let's just go with that. Uh, I think there's a lot of potential to be a solid three there. Is there, did you choose him and, and put him on this list because of, you, you believe his just this is his range, or do you think he's someone that the Sacramento Kings should be keeping their eye on? I think this is his range. Uh, he killed the combine. He came out even in the second day of scrimmages when he absolutely did not have to, and I heard that impressed some scouts. Uh, and obviously, not just scouts. I mean, owners were in the building, GM. So, like, it was up the line. I think he's a lock to go first round at this point. They're, granted, there's like 35 guys who are in that range of like, oh, they're a lock. But he really is in that strong mix, and 24 is probably the very beginning of his range. Why does that impress scouts and owners and and people, uh, general managers, when when players play more than they have to? I understand, like when you're a top prospect, like Victor Wembanyama doesn't have to work out for anybody. Yeah. But I, I but I understand why teams would want to get him in and 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 take a look at him and things like that. But when it comes to someone like this. It, it, does that just say they love hoop, they love to play basketball, and we want someone who's that dedicated to the game? Does, is that what it is, or what's the difference there? Well, I guess there's two ways to – there's two factors, right? First of all, it's the competition where it's really the best group of guys in so these so guys' supposed draft range, right? So if you're a mid-second-round pick and you, you played really well on the first day, a lot of guys in this era, they say – you know, load management in a way like where it's that's just kind of where we are in, in the NBA era. And for Pazemski, like not only did he play very well against his peers two times, but he also it shows a motor. It shows, you know, like you said, like the love of the game. It shows he's out there for like he likes winning, like he's hungry to be better every single time and prove that he can like improve from every single last game. And like if you can get one percent better, that whole cliche like if you really do apply that in today's, you know, in a way it comes off as non-competitive for a lot of guys. If you can do that, it really does stand out. Let's move on to, I, I've i heard it pronounced as Ryan. And I've also heard it pronounced as Rayan, Rayan Rupert. Um, what do you know about him and what do you think about him for 24? Yeah, so uh, Ryan Rupert is an interesting guy. He's been working out in Dallas. I haven't seen him, but I have been talking to people that have been working with him. He's very young for his class has a ridiculous frame. Uh, he measured, let me double check this on the combine list, but he had a, yeah, 7'2 wingspan with 6'6 in shoes. So just absurdly long arms. He's one of the best defenders in the class. I think he won uh, some awards in the NBL for best young defender. He has a runner and a little floater. The problem right now is just that he's not much of a shooter and, and he's really growing there. But again, he's so young that you might be able just to make it work and say, we can develop that. So he's someone that if the Sacramento Kings were to take him, and I've heard kind of Gigi Jackson talked about the same way. Like he's someone that in in the situation of the Kings, maybe it doesn't make sense for him being an instant contributor to help this team in the playoffs, but maybe for the first time in a long time, the Kings are in a position where since they have an established core, they can take a young project, stash him in their G League or, or kind of grow him and take the time they need to develop him without having to put too much on his shoulders or put too much pressure on him to be good right away and to be a savior of the franchise. Is that what we're looking at with this guy? Yeah, most likely. You find kind of like we were talking with City Sissoko 
you might have a similar outcome, right? Where it's like he might be able to just come in, play 10, 15 minutes of just liked out defense and pass the ball too. But you want him kind of getting his rhythm in the G League. Like he really needs reps for a shot. But I mean, he's so young. He turns 18 the last day of May. Or I'm sorry, he turns 19 the last day of May. So he will be 18, his or 19. I keep saying 18. He'll be 19 his whole rookie season, which is just unbelievably young like that is a and if you can develop him and honestly sacramento like i know nationally they don't get the reputation but let's be real sacramento's done a good job at least of finding these role players to develop i think he'd be a good fit there i don't know if you know the answer to this question what is the deal with french basketball and all the prospects (laughs) they're turning out like the amount of talent coming out of france for hoops right now is pretty incredible yeah, I, I don't have the answer. I, I I just assume they've got some quality trainers. I mean, the guys, they found what works, right? Tony Parker, uh, you can just keep going down the line. I mean, Nick Batum, Rudy Gobert, obviously, like they found at every position something that sticks and they repeat it and they really drilled in these guys. And I guess the players also, it's a two-way street. The players also work hard. It's really fun too. to, there have always been European players and international players in the draft. And in fact, the Sacramento Kings have a pretty successful history of drafting European players, Peja Stoyakovic, Hito Turkoglu, things like that. Uh, But to see more and more international talent entering the draft, coming into the league and dominating the league, you could argue the top three players in the league are three of the best players in the league right now, Luka, Giannis, uh, Nikola Jokic, like we're talking international European talent. That's not necessarily taking over the game of basketball from the United States, but it's just cool to see the amount of talent internationally that's coming into the NBA whenever they're ready and dominating. Like, I think that's amazing for the sport. Yeah. I mean, dude, it's a global game through and through. And anybody who watched the last dance, you know, they talk about going overseas and like that really did change everything. And we're still seeing the effects almost, almost 35 years later, 30 years later. How about Nick Smith? Tell us about Nick Smith a little bit. Not not the most international names. <laughs> very very American Nick Smith. <laughs> yeah, Nick Smith's an interesting one. So he was like a top one two recruit for this last class, which if you haven't figured out by now, like this freshman class is very strong. So that that is very high praise. With Nick, the the issue for him is Arkansas was kind of for spacing. It was a disaster. It, it was still a good season for them, but their big men didn't shoot. Their big men weren't the most powerful role players, like or not role players, but role men, I should say, like pick and roll, not uh, not the role player label. But, you know, so I think a lot of guys got hurt by that. Nick Smith's game is entirely dependent on getting open shots, being able to rely on there's five out offense. They just didn't do that. So some of his weaknesses got overly exposed, I would say, such as he's not very good in the pick and roll right now. And Really, he only can score out of the pick and roll. And even then, it's like an okay skill. But also, again, hard to do it when your bigs are kind of swarming you and you always have to have these tight tight contests on you. And he has some bad habits he has to clean up. Defensively, it's a little bit of a project. But ultimately, you're hoping this guy can become just a a complete scorer. And that's really the gamble with him is, will the weaknesses outweigh or like go away with NBA spacing? And will the shooting outweigh it? Hard to tell, but... Yeah, sorry. I was going to say, he's another 19-year-old, so another guy that you can take your time with a little bit. I think this inqu- this question is intriguing for the Sacramento Kings from the standpoint of, do you think he is more of a point guard or more of an off-ball? He's more off-ball no, shooting he's guard. completely off-ball, which is hard because he's 6'5". Yeah. Okay, perfect. So that might change why the Kings have interest in him because with the loss of Matthew Della Vadova, I think the Sacramento Kings are going to be searching for kind of that third-string point guard. Um, or uh, you could argue that 
Davion Mitchell is that third string point guard for the Kings right now with Malik Monk kind of taking over secondary ball handler uh, responsibilities. But I believe at some point the Sacramento Kings are going to want to address that point guard spot. Had Nick Smith Jr. been available and the Kings felt confident in that, maybe that would rise his stock. I don't know if uh, a project shooting guard is what they necessarily are going to be looking at at this point. But again, Nick Smith Jr. doesn't sound like somebody that you can really go wrong with stashing in your system for a little bit if you can afford to. Right. Yeah. You just got to know the shot will be there. Everything else is a work in progress. Well, the shot sometimes is all you need in, in, in the league based off of where it's going. Let's talk about Jet Howard a little bit. What do you uh, what do you think of Jet? Why do you have him uh, on this list? Yeah. So I know Jet's a surprise name. I'd heard from a couple people. Jet's stock is very much on thin ice right now where I, I had somebody tell me he may not even go first round, which is just wild to me. Mm. The, the reason it kind of makes sense. I pointed this out on podcast before, too, and it's look, he played for his dad, Jawan. Uh, for those who don't remember, he was a very good NBA player. He had an unlimited leash with bad habits. And that combination, you have to research as a team. What's his, how does he hold himself accountable? Because let's be real. If you had any other player doing this, like if you're just a random coach that had a random kid just in your pool, like for as a top prospect, doing some of the stuff that Jed Howard did, they would be benched immediately. It was holding the ball for 20 seconds, doing not giving up on these ISOs, reset, go ISO, reset, and then shoot a bad shot. There was a lot of that. He doesn't play defense. So there's worries about that. But the selling point for him is he's a 6'7", 6'8", possibly even 6'9". Nobody knows his true size shooter. So that is, he's a lights out shooter that has size. With someone like Jet, if you're talking about him kind of having an unlimited leash and there being a lack of accountability, that was an issue in Sacramento and, and was an issue for a very long time. That seems to have changed with Mike Brown and his system and what he's implemented this this past year. Whether it's for the King's sake or or maybe in a – let's say he gets drafted by the Miami Heat or something like that. Is that a better landing spot for him, you think, a, a team that might not play him very much right away or that he's going to have to work to crack the rotation, be an eighth or ninth man at best – but he comes into an established culture of accountability versus going to a Detroit Pistons, let's say, where they're going to throw him out there. So you're going to play as much as you want, but it's kind of schoolyard basketball and everybody's doing their own thing. Right. Yeah. I think he'd be better suited going to Miami. Also his dad played there. So yeah. uh, always a tie there, but I think for him really, it's just how much is he willing to adjust to that? Right. Because the culture is there for him to be right. And if they open the door to him, will he walk in that door? That's really up to him at that point. And I think the answer probably would be yes, just because how many guys do we really hear first round prospects that don't from Miami? I think they really do their due diligence. I could see it. This episode of Locked On Kings is also brought to you by Prize Picks and their $1 million daily Superflex promotion happening right now for the NBA playoffs and the finals. Every day of the playoffs and finals, one Prize Picks user will win a chance of becoming a millionaire. One entry placed after 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time will be randomly selected each day. Whoever is picked, will give a or will be given a six pick flex entry with the following payouts. You get all six picks correct, you get a million dollars. You get five correct picks, you get eighty thousand dollars. You get four correct picks, you get sixteen thousand dollars. You can get full details uh, and information about the contest at pricepicks.com/slash million. But when I say pricks, what it, uh, or picks rather, excuse me, uh, what it is, you pick two to six players, and if they will go score more or less than their prize picks projection so for example uh if the projection for the western conference finals game tonight is like 
uh, LeBron James, 31 and a half points and Nikola Jokic, uh, 28 and a half points. Let's say you take the over on both of those up to six people, two to six people. If you get those right, you can get 25 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. They offer safe and fast withdrawals and the site is operational in over 30 states and in Canada. Download the price picks app or go to pricepicks.com. Sign up today to play free daily fantasy sports and first-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit 100, price picks will give you 100. You deposit 50, price picks will give you 50. Don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. GG Jackson's the last guy you have on this list. Sam Ferris told us a little bit about GG uh, uh, last week. What I like about GG as a project more than I like about some of these other guys' projects is because GG, I think, has a, a route to playing time on the Sacramento Kings. Maybe not right away, but he he plays a position that small four or power forward position that the Kings lack a lot of depth at and have question marks at. Keegan Murray's kind of holding that spot down right now as a starter, but who knows if he's going to move to the three, depending upon what the Kings do with Harrison Barnes. Regardless. That is a position where I could see, okay, Gigi, come to Sacramento, work in the G League, develop a year or two down the road, maybe not as a starter, but there's a slot here for you to get actual rotational minutes. What do you think about Gigi Jackson and, and why the Kings should uh, have him on their radar? Yeah, he's the youngest player in the draft. He turned 18 in December, so he played the entire first month of college basketball at 17 years old. He has creation ability, has a very nice, has he move with both hands. He can handle, he has all the tools you want out of 6'9 player. He can shoot. In theory, he can defend. He was the Peach Jam defensive player of the tournament last year in EYBL. He has handles. He can score at the rim. He can shoot. The problems are for him is there's there's so much consistency issues. And then also, will he adjust the whole, he went on Instagram Live complaining about his role. He did hold himself accountable afterwards because um, he's also working in Dallas. And I, I do know that he's been you know very upfront about that, acknowledging he was wrong. The problem really lies with him, or there are two things. One, I saw this in Chicago when I watched his pro day up close. His mechanics are not consistent at all. The jump shot releases some point, sometimes in the middle of the head, sometimes to the left or right side, ever so slightly, and he just doesn't get that same same shot. So he's got to work on that. But he's eighteen, so like you can bank on that, I think. But also is really just the habits he has. He he is very shoot first. One play at the combine, I think, completely exemplifies that. Is in the three-on-three full-court drills, he sat in the paint, pump-faked a few times, looked out, pump-faked more, and then shot it. It was like eight seconds. And the one time I wish they would have called three in the key, the non-NBA situation. But it, it's that stuff he has to fix. He has to be a better passer. Sounds like there's multiple areas of his game, like you just mentioned, that he he needs to develop and improve. But if he's going to be someone that draws the attention, especially if he spends time in the G League, typically NBA players will show their NBA players in the G League by dominating in certain areas, statistically or via eye test or whatever. What is the one thing that you think Gigi is going to need to dominate in or really showcase in his development if he wants to have a chance of really becoming an NBA player? I think it's the feel for the game and the willingness to pass. He had, I, I believe, the worst assist to turnover ratio in the entire draft, uh, or at least of the draftable prospects. He's got to improve that feel for the game and go, all right, I got to mature. I got to make the pass. I got to see it quickly and process it quickly. I think that's a bit the biggest thing. Shooting would also be big, but I, I really think the feel for the game questions come first. Well, Richard, thank you so much for putting together this list. I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, I have to ask about him, one, because I'm very interested in him, two, because we have his brother here in Sacramento. 
Chris Murray, I've seen in that 24 range. I've seen people say, no, he's going to be taken before we even get to the 20s. Like uh, another one of those older prospects, some would say kind of a copied and pasted, but maybe a little worse version of Keegan Murray, which I don't think the Kings would would mind having another one of that on their roster. What do you think of Chris? Uh, What do you think of the idea of a team having both Keegan and Chris on the same roster? I mean, basically taking Iowa basketball and putting it in Sacramento. (laughs) What do you think about Chris Murray as a prospect and his potential to be there at 24? Yeah. So for starters, he's not the exact same player as Keegan. I think Keegan's just his ball skills. And I think his defense were just so much better. Uh, Mostly the ball skills had a significant gap, but the defensive jump too was big for me. I think Keegan or excuse me, Chris qualifies as a perfect three and D guy. And at six, eight, roughly give or take an inch, you really can't have too many of those guys, right? Where they can guard multiple positions. They can spot up. I think he, uh, I keep saying Keegan, I keep, I, Chris Murray, (laughs) his numbers weren't great for spot up this year, but also it's hard when you are the absolute first option to truly be an effective off ball threat, because you're always going to have everyone tucking your Jersey lightly, you know, that, that stuff that refs don't always see, it's hard to create separation off ball when you're the man, both on and off ball. And I think in the NBA spacing and the, you know, not being the highest priority, he's going to benefit a lot. And the reason I didn't put him here though, is I think he's gone by then. I I've heard people are really expecting him to be gone by like 2021. So unless Sacramento moves up to get him, they're probably not getting him. Yeah. I heard he had a very, uh, busy and popular pro day too uh during the combine and the amount of people that came out to watch him work which doesn't surprise me at all last thing that i have is again sticking with keegan and chris like keegan was asked to do something and not a lot of rookies are asked to do be a massive contributor a starter on a team that was successful was a playoff team and, and at times mike brown had a really short leash with him again the expectation is not that chris is going to come in and vie for any kind of starting spot if he's in sacramento however In terms of immediate impact, the same way the Kings needed and expected Keegan to be an impactful player right away in his role in Sacramento, do you think Chris can do the same thing or does he need a little more time? Yeah, not to the same capacity, but I do think overall, yes, he can do the same positive effects as a rookie, which is hard. Most rookies are negative, so I I think there's positives there. Well, people like Richard are, are the greatest for me because I barely watch college basketball, barely have time to with the amount of Sacramento Kings coverage that we do year round. So it's this time of the year where I realize I know next to nothing other than a couple players that I've I've paid loose attention to. So the fact that Richard and so many other draft analysts that we have here on the Locked On Podcast Network can look into 60, 80, 90 prospects and be able to break them down is is pretty incredible. And I steal that as much as I can to get here on Locked on Kings. So Richard, thank you so much, my friend, for coming on. Appreciate the work that you do, all the fantastic work. Maybe have to have you back on after draft night and break down what the Sacramento Kings ended up doing. I'll ask you this really quickly too, because why the hell not? Victor Wenbanyama going to the San Antonio Spurs. The Spurs getting a big man at the first overall pick in the draft never happened before. <laughs> what do you, I mean, what do you think of that, destination for for victor he seemed pretty happy about it on lottery night it's so unfair i mean it's (laughs) it it, think about this like i'm a mavs guy so i maybe i'm my perspective is skewed let's look at the generational talents like let's just look at the top three talents that have been picked in the southwest division zion john morant now victor wembanyama luca and you could really even still throw Jalen green into that they the entire division is just staffed with top three picks so and I mean, technically, like Kyrie was the number one pick, but who knows if he's back. So it, it's unfair. 
Really appreciate Richard taking the time out of his busy schedule to join me here on Locked on Kings. And thanks for his kind words, too, uh, about the podcast. Fun to finally connect with him and have him on the show. Certainly won't be the last time we have him on the show. If you like any of the names we discussed, any other names we've discussed in the past, but maybe not on today's podcast, if you know who you want the Kings to draft at 24 or other guys that you want us to talk about, Send them to me at Matt George Sack on Twitter. Email me mattgeorgesports at gmail.com or leave your thoughts in the YouTube comment section down below. Really appreciate your support. As always, we got more draft coverage coming. Another draft analyst here from Locked On who was in Chicago for the Combine will join me still to come uh, this week. So more draft coverage, more breakdowns of prospects for you. Uh, so be sure you keep sticking around as we get closer and closer to the draft and all the excitement that comes with it. Appreciate your support. Can't wait to have you join me on the next episode. Until then, my name is Matt George. You've been listening to Locked On Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.